following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Many people scoff at the idea of having a guru. True to human nature, generally, they make a virtue of their scoffing. I am responsible for what I do, they announce. Responsible for my mistakes, as well as for my victories. What would I ever learn if I land, handed over my development to someone else? To depend on another for guidance would be an act of spiritual cowardice. It would be understandable for someone gifted with some trivial ability, for instance, with words, to insist on doing his crossword puzzle himself without letting anyone else help him. But supposing, even in such trivial matters, he had no such gift, what virtue would there be in refusing to learn? For that matter, moreover, where do our gifts come from? They are not a native ability. Still, crossword puzzles are hardly an important challenge. What if a person wanted to do something daring? to climb a cliff, for instance, but refused to study the art of mountain climbing. He would climb at the risk of his life. And how much more is risked than physical life in the great adventure of the divine search, where the risk is to salvation itself? Where is the sacrifice in seeking guidance? Even a mountain guide wouldn't presume to do one's climbing for one. His purpose would be only to help the neophyte to climb safely. To have a wise guru is not a sign of weakness, but of plain common sense. All the saints, aware as they are of the hazards of the adventure, agree on the importance of having a guide or guru. And these are the heroes speaking, not cowards or spiritual weaklings. Jesus emphasized the importance of having a teacher by asking John to baptize him. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 3, we read of his coming to John. Thus, Jesus said to John, It becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In the Bhagavad Gita, the fourth chapter, Sri Krishna says, Open thyself to those who have attained wisdom. They will be thy teachers. Ask questions of them, both verbally and mentally. Serve them faithfully and with devotion. How is the devotee to recognize one who has attained wisdom? The Bhagavad Gita gives us this inspiring description of the sage. By this sign is he known, being of equal grace to comrades, friends, chance comers, strangers, lovers, enemies, aliens, and kinsmen, loving all alike, evil or good, 
Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. also like to welcome all of you uh, to the Sunday service today. It's always an honor and a joy to share in satsang with truth seekers. And we have truth seekers here and we have them online. So thank you for coming. I would like to read a brief prayer from Whispers from Eternity. This is the salutation to the great preceptor from Whispers from Eternity. Bearing the bliss of Brahma, happiness supreme, wearing the image of wisdom, beyond the dispute of any qualities, free as the limitless sky, knower of all there is to be known, thou perennial, taintless one, witness of all happenings, beyond all conceptions, boundaries, uncolored by good, bad, and active qualities, my ever-awake preceptor, I bow to thee. So the topic is, do we need a guru? And Swami Kriyananda, towards the end of his life, was asked, I believe on a radio show, do you need a guru? And he said, oh no, you don't need a guru, unless you want to find God. And as with much of Kriyananda's humor, it was a thin veil on a deep truth. Uh, and this reality is that there is an impetus in our lives that moves us towards the divine, that moves us away from suffering. And all human beings, all life is seeking that. So do you need a guru? Not necessarily in the beginning. There are many in our current 2015 situation, many spiritual teachers. There are uh, self-improvement teachers. There's usually in any good metaphysical bookstore a self-improvement section. Uh, and there's a load of books and tapes and videos and um, guided meditations and all sorts of things that are meant to help you in your movement towards self-fulfillment and uh, a more balanced life, a more happy life, a more positive life. These are all wonderful directions. I'm extremely glad that there are spiritual, director, spiritual teachers because our society needs a voice for truth and for the unity of religions and for the brotherhood of man and for world brotherhood, and for all the, the positive directions that these teachers bring us. And I'm very glad that they're out there, and they're on PBS, and all sorts of things like that. It's wonderful. But what Swamiji was referring to in the question was, if you want to find God. If you want to find God, we've added a little twist to the question. 
because of the qualities, the good, enlightening, uh, darkening, and activating. In Sanskrit, we use uh, sattvic, rajasic, tamasic as terms, but there are realities of the human situation. In this chant we did this morning, uh, deliver us from delusion. Delusion is the problem. Delusion is what kind of really messes up the soup. Uh, It is the reason that the spiritual teachers can't take you to realization. It's the reason that you can't find God without a guru because the guru is beyond the delusion. That's the line of demarcation. The guru has transcended the three qualities. The guru has transcended the maya and lives beyond it and looks back at us through it and transcends it. From that point of bearing the bliss of Brahma, completely transcendent, the guru sees the maya and sees and knows our delusion and sees our innate reality, which is that we are not part of maya. Maya is a lie. You're not the body. You're not the illnesses the body has. You're not the psychological mess that you've created. (laughs) You're not the bankruptcy. You're not this job. You're not these human limited definitions. You're not a bundle of self-definitions. You've created them. You're holding on to them more or less. But in reality, you are the taintless one. You are a part of God. You are pure as the lotus. You are beyond the qualities. You are a being of infinite love. And that reality is the guru's reality. That's the consciousness that Christ and the Buddha and Yogananda and all the gurus have because they've transcended the duality. They're not conditioned by the good and the bad by the yes and the no, by the Republicans and the Democrats, all the duality, endlessly, endlessly going on and on. Christ said, before Abraham was, I am. That's their consciousness. And it's hard at first to deal with that or to understand what are they talking about. And that's where spiritual teachers are a big, big help. I used to listen to uh, spiritual teachers when I was first starting on the path, and they were wonderfully instructive because they give you the perspective that there's duality and that the reasoning mind cannot hold the infinite. But there's another line that separates the guru from the spiritual teacher, and that's the shakti. That's the power. I don't know if you could feel it, but when we were chanting that chant, full of bliss, giving joy transcendent, maybe because I've chanted that chant in ashrams all over this country, but you can feel the power of the guru coming through. And it doesn't matter if it's Yogananda's children here, or Shivananda's children, or the Buddha's children, or Christ's children. It doesn't matter who the guru is, but the vibration of the guru, the power of the guru, that is not inherent in a spiritual teacher. They point to it, good, but the guru 
has this added element. And that is Shakti, power, the aspect of God's power. We, when you're trying to launch a rocket, what's the big problem? It's the atmosphere. <laughs> it's gravity. You can't get out of that first 100 miles. Then, easy sailing in space. But what do you need? A booster rocket. That's what you need. And that's what the guru has. He has a booster rocket. He has the magnetism. He has that joy just pulling you. And you look at Yogananda and you see those eyes or you feel that love or you hear that chanting of the disciples and you feel his love. That's what Kriyananda had. He was a very, very good disciple of a great master. And he had that power. And so when we met him, we felt there's something special about this man. And he would say, oh, there's nothing special about me. It's the guru. And he was true. But the other reality was that as Kriyananda went on with his life, it was hard to tell where Kriyananda ended and Yogananda began. Kriyananda disappeared. He pretty much disappeared before I met him, so I don't know when he disappeared, but I met him in the 60s. And still there was that vibration. It wasn't the words, yes, he was really smart. Yes, he really spoke well. Yes, he had a wonderful voice. Yes, he could sing well done, Lord, uh, on the guitar beautifully. But there was something else. And the something else is the power of the guru. And that is the guru from outside the maya pulling us, pulling us. If you want to cross the ocean of delusion... You have to have that pull of the guru, the wind at your back, pushing you towards self-realization. Maya is incredibly tricky. It is so tricky that even the teachings of Christ and the Buddha, and Christ was a great master. All the masters are equal in God. Christ was a great master. But in 2,000 years, Christ's teachings have become in some cases, unrecognizable. Yogananda used to say, Jesus was crucified one time, but his teachings have been crucified many times. Because delusion, it creeps into the mind of the teacher. And even though the teacher is sincere, and they really want to be true to their guru, delusion gets in there. So Yogananda came. He said, I came to bring original Christianity as taught by Jesus Christ and original yoga as taught by Krishna. That was his message. To bring back, not something new. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. Yogananda came to bring those truths back in pristine form with the vibration of the Holy Spirit, with the vibration of God, vibration of Om. That's what he came to bring. And Kriyananda being a wonderful writer and editor, he wrote The Revelation of Christ. And it's a big, thick book. It's about the Bible and Christ and the teachings of self-realization. And he also wrote The Essence of the Bhagavad Gita. But he didn't write them as a teacher. He wrote them as a disciple of a great master. He gave voice to what Yogananda taught. And they're wonderful books. And they bring you to the guru which is Christ and Krishna and the Buddha and all the great gurus who are not at all saying our guru is the best guru. It would, by definition, 
disqualify you as a, as a follower of truth if you think your guru is better than the other gurus. Because what does a guru mean? Dispeller of darkness. The guru is the dispeller of darkness. And so we need to focus on that. And we need that guru if we want to attain self-realization. Last week we had a community meeting. Jyotish and Davy talked about our current need to concentrate, integrate the teachings through the departments. We were talking about the, the businesses of Ananda, but the business of Ananda is God-realization, so it's sort of a trick question. Uh, and, and the third one was attunement. So it's, so it's concentrate, integrate, attune. Do those remind you of the last three steps in the Eightfold Path? Dharana, dhyana, absorption, samadhi. Oneness. Attunement leads to samadhi. That's, what, that's where we're going. We concentrate on the guru. We tune into the guru. And we try to find that connection between ourselves and that guru, that state of consciousness. We integrate our consciousness with the guru. We try to be in that consciousness of the guru as we work, as we play, as we get married, as we have children, as we go into business, as we open our clinic, as we do all these things. It's the guru doing it. That's what the guru does. The guru is from beyond illusion, the bearer of bliss, the consciousness that we all have within ourselves. We need to concentrate on that. So do we need a guru? Yes. Well, how do we do something with this? What do we do about it? Well, we concentrate on the guru, concentrate on the light, concentrate on that state of consciousness. Don't concentrate on the maya. Don't concentrate on the duality. Master's poem gives us a nice roadmap to where we're going. Love, hate, health, disease, life, death, perished. These false shadows on the screen of duality. What if we lived in guru consciousness all the time. That would be good. That would be very, very good. Because then we'd concentrate on the guru and integrate that consciousness into what we do. Try to live like the guru. That's what Kriyananda meant. I don't know where Kriyananda ends and Yogananda begins. Because Kriyananda sort of dissolved. He didn't have ideas of things he wanted to do. He had ideas of things Yogananda wanted to do. But when you turn to Yogananda, what did he say? He said, I don't have disciples. God has disciples. What are we left with here? <laughs> God, God, God. <laughs> That's all we've got. That's all that we, the guru has. The guru is one with God. So we need to live like that. We need to concentrate, dharana. We need to integrate that guru consciousness into our lives. And we need to attune ourselves to that consciousness so that it becomes a daily practice. How do we do that? Well, we do sadhana. Meditation is the formal practice where you shut off the duality, the two eyes, close those, open the one eye, and concentrate on the guru, on the light, on the aspects of God, and realize that, that you are that. Go away from the duality for a while. For formal meditation, maybe you have half an hour, more, Use the techniques that Yogananda gave. What's the first technique he gave? Hong Sa. I am spirit. I'm not the body. I'm not the guy. I'm not the emotions. I'm not the dilemma. I'm not the situation. I'm not the job. 
I'm not this crisis, this trial. I am spirit. What is spirit? Untainted, unchanged, loving, kind, calm, joyful. Live in that, in meditation. Then come out of meditation because you have duties. Serve the great self. See everyone as an image of God. Everyone is a child of God. Every human being, good and bad. So serve them. Fix their cars. Do their books. Sweep their floor. Paint their house. Take care of their kids. Whatever it is. Do your dharma. But do it as Yogananda would do it. Just God, watching God, serving God. This is a leela. This is a movie. We're all into movies here. We make movies. This is a movie. The movie is starring God. God is the star. God is played by Swami Kriyananda. God is played by Jyotish and Devi. God is played by you. God is played by your co-workers, by your worldly boss. Oh, what a wonderful place to play. And so how do you relate to a worldly boss? You look past the worldliness and you look to the soul with respect for the soul. Not for the delusion, for the soul. With love, with kindness, loyalty, all these qualities. We live out this reality. We serve. And then we withdraw into the self again. And we dive deeper and deeper. And a very interesting thing happens. You know, when I first heard the hymn to the guru and these teachings, I thought there could be a degree of hyperbole in this. Bearer of bliss? Giving joy transcendent? Hmm, possible. I was definitely open to it. But I was cautious. And you know what happened? It turned out to be true. It is true. The guru is the bearer of bliss. And the guru is everywhere. Everywhere. Inside of you? Yes. The guru is that part of you that is pushing you, either strongly or softly, towards investigating self-realization, towards investigating a life immersed in love. That's the guru. And the guru is within you. And the guru is a part of you. And in fact, it's hard to know where you end and the guru begins. Because you're an illusion. Your wonderful personality and your stunningly sweet smile and your all these accomplishments, they don't mean anything. This is a dream. But you're so much greater than that. You're a being of divine love. You're a being of infinite compassion. You're all Buddhas. You're all yogis. You're all Christs. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. Not to be the sons of God, because remember last week, Bharat said self-effort too is needed to become the sons of God. We have to put out the effort. We have to put out the energy. Maya is a big deal. It catches most people and holds them the whole life. But the guru is constantly saying, come on, let's get out of this. Meditate. Do good, be good, meditate, realize. That was Shivananda's mantra. Be good, do good, meditate, realize God, realize the self within. You are the guru. You have the capacity to love like Yogananda loved. You have the capacity to love like Christ loved. Really? He's crucified and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Yogananda said that was his greatest miracle. Could you do that? 
Yes, you could do that. You can do that. When? Today. Now. This is the time for knowing God. Yogananda said the time for knowing God has come. These teachings and the open heart of the disciple, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. You can do it. You've got a guru. If you're not a disciple of Yogananda, don't let me uh, proselytize here. You follow the Buddha. You follow Christ. You follow whoever, because the guru's teachings are going to be the same. Open your heart. Let divine love flow through every action. Look for God. Feel God. Know God. That's the reality of our situation. What happens? A tiny bubble of laughter, I am become the sea of mirth itself. Say it over and over again. A tiny bubble of laughter, I am become the sea of mirth itself. God bless you all.